is Ben Lee, host of the Brain Teaser game show, Idiot Test. So I know a little something about smart entertainment, and I know that the Atomic Podcast is the way to go. If you want some that will make you think, make you laugh, it's a great podcast. Please check it out, and check out my Showtime special, Neurotic Gangster. Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. And here is your host of the show, Efren Guzman. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. And I hope everyone is doing wonderful this hot summer evening. My guest today, he's a host, he's a writer, and he is an executive producer on The Idiots. And he also has a podcast show, and you have seen him on Chelsea lately. Um, there's a laundry list you've probably seen him in, and I'm just going to cut it off right now. But he has a, um, a special coming up on June 3rd on Showtime called The Neurotic Gangster. Ladies and gentlemen, Ben Glebe. Ben, how you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm pretty good, man. And like I said, it's a hot day in New York City. Um, pretty much enjoying my day. Where are you at? And are you enjoying the weather by you? I'm at my home in LA, and the weather looks beautiful. It does not seem too hot. I literally have not stepped outside crazily. I put my head outside for a second, so I did not get knocked over by heat. Oh my God! Oh, so you're you're just relaxing then? Well, I'm just doing a bunch of work. I, I do most of my most of my work from from my home when I'm not on the road somewhere gigging. Oh man, you know the hustle, the hustle of a comedian, right? Is the hustle, right? Always hustling, always. Oh, um, <laughs> of course, of course. Um, I'm gonna ask you the typical question. I'm sure you got asked probably millions of times. Um, how did you get started in the business? I just always wanted to be a comedian since I was a young kid, so. I just, you know, started entertaining people, started doing celebrity impressions when I was a young kid. Had a radio show in college, in a high school, then a TV show in college. And then when I graduated, I graduated with a manager because my TV show in college became a pretty big show. I booked celebrity guests, and and uh, one of the guests I booked uh, was Kennedy from MTV, and her manager was Howard Lapidus and Chip Utterman at the time, representing Tom Green and Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew and Jimmy Kimmel, and they signed me. So I moved down here, and right off the bat, luckily had a pretty big-time manager, and then things just started rolling from there. I started doing uh, I, I, I started doing acting classes and started doing stand-up and joined an improv troupe called The Empty Stage, where I was in the same troupe with Felicia Day and Kristen Wiig. And that was pretty crazy. That was pretty cool. And then stand-ups would start to, to take off for me. It just seemed like to be my best skill set. And, you know, in improv scenes, sometimes I would, like, take over the scene. I didn't mean to, but I just kept thinking of funny things to say. And I would pick up, you know, sometimes, like, more controlled scene than you really should in a group scene. I started thinking, like, it's not fair to other people. I should probably start shifting towards just being by myself on, on stage. Um, what was your biggest inspiration for becoming a comedian? Was you like the typical class clown, always making jokes, or did you watch somebody that you admired? Or it was both. It was both. I was oh, always okay. a class comedian, always making jokes since I was a kid. Um, and then I was just real inspired by George Carlin. Was my favorite comedian, hands down. Wow. Like I didn't even watch that much stand up, but Carlin, somebody I always watched yeah. and loved so much. And um, and then, as far as TV hosts, Johnny Carson was my favorite, hands down. 
Wow, it's funny because a lot of people say Richard Pryor. Everybody has different mixtures. Um, what was what what was it about George Carlin that that you gravitated towards? His sense of humor, just like Mastermind. Like I didn't realize that there's an art form where you can speak completely freely. You could curse. You could share your opinions. You could be passionate. You could scream. But he was also like real precise with his words. I always loved language, and he did too. And he was so precise with the way he would write his jokes, and then orchestrate the way you would deliver them with different sounds and sound effects and voices and intonations and stuff that I always enjoyed playing with my voice. So he just seemed, and the way he would just take a topic and just logically come at it from every angle and dissect every bit of a topic, why the thing is stupid or ridiculous. That's what I do in my my stand-up. He's my biggest inspiration for sure. Wow, so there's like, you know, if people see you stand up, will they even like see little hints of a little Carlinism right there? Like little George Carlin? I hope Carlin? so, yeah. I hope so, yeah. I even, I even as an homage to uh, George Carlin, oftentimes when I do a bit and I reference a girl's name, I often say Rebecca because he would use Rebecca in a lot of his bits. <laughs> Oh, cool, cool. And then, um, you know, you got like a, do uh, you have like, like I said, you have like a laundry list of stuff. Um, you also um, sold a pilot of Fox on um, the Gleep show. Um, how did you do that? And what was the brainchild of that? Well, so I did this TV show in college for four years called the Gleep show. And it was a late night talk show, kind of like Johnny Carson and David Letterman. And it had, it was a talk show with a desk and a house band, but, um, wrapped around that there were these comedy sketches I would do and hidden camera bits and man on the street interviews and um, then I started doing that show for two seasons of the National Lampoon Network when I graduated college it was a network that used to air to colleges around the country mm-hmm. and then and then um, and then when that was done our third season the, the, the network lost a lot of its budget and so they said we're going to have to cancel all the shows on the network that cost us a lot of money but if you're willing to do a show on half of the budget, we'd love to have you stay there. We were the most watched show on their network. Yeah. And so we said, let's do it. We'll take the creative challenge. And we came up with a format that got rid of the talk show and wrapped those hidden camera bits and man on the street and sketches around a single camera sitcom that took place in a fictionalized version of, of my life, me and my roommate Scott. And we shot it in our actual apartment at the Oakwood Apartments. Wow. Uh, A juggernaut, <laughs> a huge hit. Yep. You know, and also um, you you're doing um the last week on Earth podcast, right? Yeah, 
and every week. Yeah, and how did you um get involved with Kevin Smith? Because Kevin Smith is his own media empire as well. Like, how did you get involved in Smodcast? Yeah, that's an exciting thing in my career. It's been really fun because not only is it media empire, but just, you know, one of the film icons of our time. Yes, yes, of course. So many great things. And um, I just random, it's just weird. You never know where your life's going to take you. Randomly one morning, I get a call in my old apartment in Hollywood, and I get a call from this guy, Eric Pankowski, who worked at this company that was producing Kevin Smith's late night TV pilot. He was making kind of a Chelsea Lately style pilot. Yeah. Called Tonightly. And they said that their, one of their like co-hosts or guests or whatever it was dropped out last minute and wanted to know if I could come fill in. And I said, of course, to work with Kevin Smith. So all of a sudden, I literally an hour later drive to the studio. I'm in a rehearsal run through with Kevin Smith, watched my videos and loved it and was giving me compliments and I didn't, you know, out of nowhere and all of a sudden I'm hosting this or I'm, you know, I'm on the panel of this pilot with Kevin Smith, Arden Marine and Seth Rogen and wow. it just went really, really well. It was a total blast. Um, you know, Seth Rogen was great. <laughs> that was a very bad impression, but you get it. Um, so it's weird being, I can't do it. I used to do it once. I learned it once and it's gone now. Point being, um, it, uh, it went great. And then Kevin and I smoked a joint after the taping. And he says to me, tell me your life story. And we ended up missing his whole rap party. Wow. And I just told him my whole life story. And at the end of it, he was like, wow, man. So you're like a producer. You're, like, you're, you're a producer like me. You create shows. What are you doing just being on panels on Chelsea Lately or, or on my show? You be making your own stuff. That kind of inspired me and um, invited me on his podcast. And then he asked me during his podcast to guest host his podcast. And at the end of it, he asked me if I wanted my own show on his network. And I said yes instantly. And that was five years ago. I've been doing this podcast last week on Earth where I summarized it up the whole planet every single week. News and politics and pop culture in, in like a real fun, dirty, loose way. Um, is it basically almost like that VH1? Do you remember they had that show, um, like the week? Best week ever. Yeah, best week ever. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, to a degree, it's not really like it. I wouldn't say. I mean, I don't really show clips. It's it's just me. It's it's largely political. It's me trying to make politics interesting yeah. to people who normally don't follow politics. Make it fun, light, and loose. Yeah. Basically, I look at politics like a reality show with consequences. It's the same idiots that are on reality shows. Same sex scandals, the same flawed characters, but this time they have guns and armies. I just think it's so much more interesting. So I treat it like a reality show and just keep it down and dirty. Yeah, I'm um, saying so you've been doing the podcast for a long time, and um, it's it's been great for you. Um, is it so much easier? You know, because I know everybody and their grandmother has a podcast. I know that, but um, yep. but, you know, but um, doing podcasting is it, it it do you like? Is it more not like work to you, but is it more like fun? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the podcast is great. I mean, it's, it's, other than my stand-up comedy, it's the best way to directly connect with the audience and um, and just speak with to people unfiltered. So that's really nice. I'm a big fan of unfiltered yeah, me too. communication. <laughs> um, so I do like it. it. It can be a lot of work, too. I had to take a long break recently because I'm a one-man news division doing this podcast. Most people's podcasts, they just interview people in mine. I'm, like, literally reporting the news and adding commentary to it. So it takes a lot of prep. But Donald Trump forced me back. <laughs> you know, it, you need that injection of inspiration, and that definitely is a big inspiration in the news department. Yeah. 
Um, what is when speaking of that? I, you know, I, I, I wasn't even gonna mention that, but what is your take on Donald Trump, man? Do you think he's really gonna make it, man? I don't know, man. He's got the nomination now, and he's so good um, at assassinating people's characters and spinning the media that he's already running even polls against Hillary before he's even heads up against her. I think there's a decent chance he wins and becomes our next president. So it's a pretty in tense situation and I get why people support him. I get that he's charismatic and that he has these good anti-establishment attitudes and that he wants to solve the problems of terrorism and that he wants to renegotiate our trade deals and he wants us to get, you know, our respect back and start with the again. Those are all noble ideas, but I think the way that he goes about it is not cool. He goes about it in a way that like is is really insulting to huge sections of our country. It's really insulting to Latinos. It's really insulting to to women, to Muslims, and it's just not practical. He's never going to build a huge, tall, 50-foot-tall wall. He's never going to be able to ban Muslims from coming into the country, just mostly because it's physically impossible. There's no identification card that says what your religion is. <laughs> so you have to just ask people at, at the airport, you know, are you Muslim? <laughs> and, I, and like maybe nice ones will say yes and they get turned away, or nice ones I still want to visit America are going to say no anyway. And, no, I'm a Christian. Can I come be a tourist now? And the terrorists <laughs> are definitely going to say no. They're going to come right in. They're going to come right in because if you're here to kill people, I don't think a simple question is going to turn you around. I was ready to blow myself up in America, but oops, they asked me a real hard-hitting question. I got to turn around. <laughs> oh, man. I know he's he's he he's a character. He's a character. Um, you also um done stand up and you opened for Chelsea Handler and Dane Cook and you also was part of the Chelsea Handler roundtable in Chelsea lately when she was on E. Um, did Chelsea really take a liking to you and said, "Look, you come to my panel"? Like, how did that whole come about? Yeah, you know, I, I knew her a little bit from before I was ever on Chelsea lately just from the stand-up world. We'd hung out a couple times. I knew her a little bit. And she actually um, requested that I come in to audition to be the announcer for the show. Oh, wow. And I, I went into audition for that. And, my, and then my buddy Mike Rock got instead. When I was in there, I said, you know, I'd love to do the round table. And they said, yeah, we'd love to have you. And then the ma my manager at the time eventually uh, called them. Waited too long, to be honest. My old manager, but I eventually called. And then I got on the show like six or seven months into the run. And it went well, and I was asked back ever since, and I ended up, you know, to run, being on the show every two or three weeks. Um, for the last bunch of years, I've run it for all seven years, over 100 appearances, and just had such a complete blast. I always loved watching Johnny Carson lead up guests that would be weird and contentious, like Charles Grodin on, or when Grodin would go on and argue with Letterman, or when, you know, um, what's his name, uh, Joaquin Phoenix went on Letterman and acted all weird. Like, I always loved when there was just like weird, contentious interviews in late night. It just seemed like the silliest thing to me. And I got to do exactly that with Chelsea for seven years. as one of the fastest wits in late night. And she and I became close friends. And that's a friendship that to this day I still, you know, think is a really uh, cool thing in my life because she's a very talented person that I think gives a lot of perspective to me oftentimes. And also it's just, fun as hell to hang out with. Yeah, it's amazing because it's like, you know, Chelsea has like this 
like a posse, and then like you know, does she she has certain people, and they're always in her inner circle. And it looks, it seems like, well, I'm just a viewer watching in, but it seems that everybody that's been on her show that you know they follow her wherever she goes, almost like she'll help people out. Is it like that? Like she kind of like not helped you out, but say, look, you know, you know, I'm I, I need you for a panel, or I need you for, to open, you know, to open up a show for me. Is this something like that? Oh, big time! I mean, she's incredibly loyal. I mean, she had so many of us on for the whole time and most of the crew that was there and the staff writers were there for the whole run of the show for all seven years and you know there was one episode and we weren't even really friends yet that close like three seasons into her show I had one particularly good episode or whatever and I texted her afterwards and I said um I had so much fun today thanks and she just wrote back and said you're always welcome on my show wow. and that held true I mean I was invited back you know, every month at least for the next, for all seven years. Yeah. Um, I really owe a lot to her. She really gave me a career in a large way. Like, I had breaks before. I was on a primetime NBC show called The Real Wedding Crashers. I was getting work, and I was already a headliner as a stand-up comedian. But I didn't have any sort of real national notoriety. That NBC show was canceled very quickly. You know, a lot of people watched it. And Chelsea was the first hit show I was a part of, and to be on it for so long was really something special i think yeah i know there was it was magic on that e show i'm glad she has the netflix show now but there was some know. you know like it was weird because like i remember like watching arsenio hall and i could remember watching chelsea and then and you know like here and there jay leno and everything like that but you know just one of her, her shows is like probably the ones like i really wanted to tune in to watch and it was a really cool concept yeah it was a really Big cool concept time. And she was one of the few, you know, comedians I've ever seen that was willing to share her stage every night with three other comedians. Most comics are are not willing to share the spotlight like that. You know, Jay Leno rarely had comedians on his show, not that often. Yeah. Um, afraid that they would discover the next him or whatever. And you can't have a show being afraid. You, you can't be afraid of welcoming other talent on. It's not a good... You can't just be protectionist in that way. And Chelsea was always sharing that stage. And Arsenio, too, he started doing a round table. Yeah. When Arsenio's show came back, that was another cool thrill in my career because I watched him growing up. You know, even Johnny Carson was my comedic idol, yet during the last few months of Carson, I was flipping between him and Arsenio because I just loved Arsenio's show too. It was so hip and different and young and irreverent and funny. When he brought his talk show back, I, I got hired to do a Man on the Street piece for Arsenio at the Xbox One premiere to interview all these celebrities. Had a whole crew follow me around all day. And I did his round table, and like he and I are still buds now, and we message each other on Twitter. And to be buddies with Arsenio Hall is something I never expected in, in my life. Like, you just end up befriending and getting tight with all these people that you never expected you interact with or even meet. So it's real cool, you know. Um, I was even on Leno's show when I was in college. I was on an episode of Jaywalking, you know, that man yeah. thing you would do it, you'd make people look stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I ran into his crew. And, uh, and I turned the tables on him and made him, like, bust up laughing. He couldn't compose himself. <laughs> and um, I'll never forget this piece of advice Leno gave me. He said, What? And I'll never forget that. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of wisdom there. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a like an angry baby. <laughs> exactly, it's like an angry baby. It's like it, it reminds you you used to be an angry baby. Just be glad you're not an angry baby anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
<laughs> I'm sorry, man. <laughs> that was funny. Um, um, what is your what, what is your favorite um food and music? Like, what, what do you listen to, and what's your favorite um food to unwind to? Food? Yeah. Any particular favorite food that Ben likes? Like your go-to food? Uh, I mean, sushi is my favorite food. Yeah, I love sushi too. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm a big sushi fan. I could eat that the rest of my life if I had to. Yellowtail it's sushi is it. the bomb. Yeah, yellowtail salmon. I'm a big fan of that salmon. Yeah. Yellowtail used to be my favorite, but now I'm a little bit more looking for a little more flavor, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, um, Music? So I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. And then, uh, I'm on a crazy diet. I've lost 21 pounds in the last two months, so I'm trying to lose a bunch more. Oh, wow. Congrats, dude. Thanks, man. Just trying to trim up. I shot season three of my game show idiot test, and uh, I felt fat and looked fat all season, and it's airy now. And I'm like, oh boy. Mm -hmm. I'm shooting all the stuff. I'm doing promotions for my Showtime special coming up June third, and uh, I just wanted to look better, so I just had to trim down. Yeah, tell me about the show idiot test. I, I, I'm having trouble for now. This idiot test, right? Idiot test. Right? Idiot test. Yeah. Tell me about the show. Uh, it's awesome. We're in our third season. It's the most watched original show on GSN. We're nominated for an Emmy this year, which was pretty exciting. And we lost, which was even more exciting. <laughs> and, um, it's a, uh, it's a comedy brain teaser game show where, um, we give two teams of two contestants, I give them these visual brain puzzles that we have a great team of writers that create, and I help create every single puzzle I'm involved in the, in the process of every test to make sure that they pass my muster because I don't want to go out there on TV and make fun of people for getting tests wrong that I didn't fully believe in. So it's just a great collaborative effort, and we write these unique brain puzzles every episode that you've never seen before, these brain teasers, visual. I mean, and people touch on a huge touch screen in the middle of the set, and every second they don't answer, they lose money. And when they get questions wrong, I'm, I turn it into a total roast show and kind of make fun of, uh, of them for not getting it right. <laughs> and then they can win up to $10,000 an episode. Wow, that's amazing. And also, you're the host, the writer, and executive producer. And, you know, you're the writer, so you basically write all the questions. And producer, you're... Like, what is the title of... You know, I know what a producer is, but what's an executive producer? Well, first of all, I want to clarify, I don't write all the questions. I uh. write some of them from scratch, but we have this great team of, of challenge producers that write most of the brain puzzles, and I just help with well. them, and I take the tests, and I try to try to help improve them and make them as good as can be and offer suggestions how to fix them. Um, so that's kind of the kind of thing that an executive producer does. Okay. Um, is you just kind of oversee everything. And our show's got a lot of executive producers. I was just promoted to that in this third season. But um, you just oversee and make sure the product's perfect. So it's every little detail from the props to making sure the tests are great, to booking the guests, to making sure. And I don't book the guests. There's a, booking, there's a guest booking department and all that. Everything is, you know, takes a village to make a TV show. It's probably 150 people work on the show. Yeah. Um, and you just help oversee it and help whenever you can, wherever you can, from, like I said, from writing the scripts, uh, writing some of the jokes that come in and out of commercial that I write with my comedian friend, Jay Chris Newberg, who's a brilliant, very prolific comedy writer who does um, many of the scripts as well for all the, the, the shell of the show, but how I toss things to commercial, come back, the opening speech, and I improvise with the contestants after that. But, um, to little details, like I was driving by a garage sale and I saw a little girl's bike 
that said Hello Kitty all over it. I stopped and I bought it because I was like, that'll be perfect for me to ride in on, on into the studio at the beginning of our kids' episode and pretend like I come to the studio on a girl's bike and we did it, you know? <laughs> oh, that must... like that. <laughs> Is there any pictures of that? There, I don't know if there, there should be pictures, but that episode was just aired recently, so it should be rerunning on GSN. The show's every Tuesday at 10 and 10.30, 9.30 Central on GSN. GSN two, on. two episodes a week. What show gives you two episodes a week? That's what, that's what Idiot Test do. Yeah, follow the show at Idiot Test Show. It's one T in the middle. It's I-D-I-O-T-E-S-T show yeah. on Twitter and Instagram. You can I'm, take all the tests there and a bunch of it. Sorry, I'm going to be honest. I haven't watched the show, but I am definitely will check it out. I'm hurt, man. I'm hurt. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hey, I'm sure you haven't listened That's to it. in the beginning of the podcast. You called it something totally different. Huh? <laughs> oh, man. You're throwing me off my game now. Um, um, oh, good, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, you have your now we're gonna get down to the nitty gritty. You have your first stand up special on Showtime, June third at ten PM, the Ben Glebe Neurotic Gangsta. Now, how you came up with the name uh, hashtag neurotic gangster, tell the world. Yep. how did you first of all, how did you came up with that title and um uh, are you excited? I mean I'm crazy, crazy excited. Um you know, I've been doing stand-up 16 years, and become a dream to his own hour special. Yeah. Showtime's about as good a place as you can possibly get it. Um, so I'm real stoked about it. Um, it's an hour where I cover all kinds of stuff I'm talking about. Um, you know, just annoying people. I'm talking about things that bother me. I'm talking about public restrooms, vegetarians, why they're wrong. I'm <laughs> talking about why, why racists are stupid and make no sense. I'm talking about girly drinks and why men should be allowed to drink them. I'm talking about dumb, dumb people I've met on the road. I'm talking about being single. I'm talking about trying to meet the right girl. I'm talking about, you know, eating pot brownies with my dad and getting way too high. Wow. <laughs> um, talking about all kinds of stuff throughout the course of the special and um it's uh it's really it's the best set i ever had it's an hour of just you will laugh your ass off for now i guarantee you that you watch this special i highly recommend you can even sign up for a free showtime subscription the trailer that showtime released on youtube tells you how to sign up for a free trial um and then tweet at showtime that you uh signed up because of my special because i guarantee you that you will not regret this hour you will you will laugh your ass off for that hour. Yeah. Um. Question. Um. I haven't seen the show yet, but um. It's funny that you mentioned girly drinks because I have a friend of mine who's like a man man, but his go-to drink is an amaretto sour. Is that considered a girly drink? Yeah, that's kind of a girly <laughs> drink, and I think more power to him. That's my main point. Is that it's ridiculous to me that guys can't drink those drinks. What are you telling me? A man is not a man. Because he wants flavors that are tasty in his mouth? <laughs> I'd say you're not being a man if you bow down to societal conventions and don't get the drink you want because you're in public. A real man, he'll drink whatever he wants and then turn around and be like, what? Yeah. Yeah, I'm drinking it. Yeah. Oh, that's another question too. Like, do you consider like you know? I get this a lot because I'm not like a handy, handy type man. Do you consider a real man man is a man who makes a house and um you know uses a jackhammer and has bugs crawling on his neck and don't hit it in the back of his neck? Like you know, and, and I'm over there, Mister Flyswatter, getting scared of bees and mosquitoes when I go to the Midwest. I'm just like one of those guys. <laughs> Look, I just think that we have to read 
look at the way we see manliness, you know what I mean? We have to, by the way, my phone is running low on battery, so if I cut out, just call me right back, all right? Nope, or nope. email me your number and I will uh, call you for myself. But um, we have to need to relook at the way we look at masculinity, you know? It's ridiculous to me that people think, just that we said old school cowboy mentality as to what makes a man. No, a man is someone that can, you know, hold his ground, that can stand up for himself, that can, that can protect a woman, but a man is not somebody that has to build a house, not somebody that has to break rocks with bare hands. Those are pleasant, granted, but you don't need it. And so that's kind of part of why I call my special neurotic gangsters, that I'm neurotic in that, you know, all these different details in the world bother me and consume my mind. I'm really detail-oriented and I overthink things. At the same time, I'm gangster because, in the day, I don't give a fuck. I just let loose. Mm-hmm. I just let loose once I got all the details in order to get my ducks in a row. Then I have fun. I probably party harder than most. And I don't take shit from anybody. And uh, I just, you know, live it hardcore on both sides. I even just dropped my own rap track. Me and Ben Morrison, another great comedian, have a rap group called Ben's. We just dropped our first rap first rap track called anti-social media just dropped yesterday oh yeah 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 um, how how like what's your flow like when you do your rap is it like is it a lot of a lot of cussing or no it's not too dirty at all not too dirty at all my flow is pretty clean my flow is real tight it's real fast you can hear the song there's a link to my soundcloud on my twitter at ben glee on all social media snapchat instagram um but uh i think you should go to soundcloud.com slash ben's 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 E-N-S, and you will uh, hear our song anti-social media. My flow is just fast. I got a little bit of a Mac Lethal, Nicki Minaj, Eminem type flow. Oh, uh, uh, can, um, um, can you make up? Can you rap something on the fly? Yeah, I man, I can rap for you. The, the, the uh, you know the opening verse to the podcast goes a little something like this. It goes. Well, I'm sitting at home posting, roasting, the world with sick jokes. Oh, is that posting? And everyone else exposing me. I think me views and they post to be. Because I've been putting out dope shit mostly. Still, you don't fit. In the decency to retweet my shit. I'm over it. You favorite? So I don't see that it can save her with baby kid. I mean, save the kid. I'll see that she'd be creepy. You see both of them with it, but then I'll back up a statement. Can you bring this shit? Now I think about it, maybe I'll quit. Holy Mary, Mother of God. Wow. Uh-uh. That's what That's I call. the fastest flow. The fastest flow of the song goes a little something like this. Hey, you always seen the different levels of what I'm saying. I'm playing the film, just not playing, I'm playing the more viral sensation. I'm waiting. I'm not playing the same respect. It's not what I'm saying, but I'll see my brain to find a way, and I think I'm saying. Woo! The Gleebster. Oh, God. Wow, <laughs> ben, and um, my final question to you um, what would the Ben Glebe of today tell the Ben Glebe of yesterday? Man, I would say, get out of bed, son. Um, I would, I would say just, you know, trust the process, enjoy it, work hard, you know, but you got to get after that dream, but also take your time to enjoy it. I really wouldn't tell myself to do too much different. I would maybe get out of bed a little earlier sometimes, but I also don't sleep that much. So I would just say, you know, get after what you want, prioritize better, don't prioritize that well. You got to put first things first. You know what I mean? Like this is great parable. My best friend Scott keeps telling me every couple of years when I forget this. So the teacher's in front of his classroom, he has a big jar, and he puts these huge rocks in the jar, right? And it fills all the way to the top. Mm-hmm. And he says to his class, is there any more room in the jar? And they go, no, it's filled to the top. And he goes, oh, yeah? And he pours little pebbles in it. And a ton of pebbles fall in to fill all the cracks. 
Uh-huh. And he says, is, is it filled up now? They go, yeah, now it's filled up to the top for sure. And he takes sand and pours sand in. It goes, all fills in all those gaps all the way at the top. And he says to his students, what's the moral of the story? And the students say, what, you can always fit in more? You can always do more? And, and, they, and he goes, no, put your big rocks in first. Uh-huh. Wow, that was that was that was inspiring right there, man. You got it, man. I'm a half comedian, half rapper, half game show host, half motivational speaker, half producer, half writer. That's six halves. That's not even physically possible. <laughs> uh, to plug again, your show is on Showtime at 10 p.m. June 3rd. Ben Glebe, Neurotic Gangsta. Um, your social media is what? You're on Twitter, right? And Instagram and all that good stuff? And Snapchat and Facebook's at Ben Glebe on everything. YouTube is just B Glebe, letter B Glebe, G-L-E-I-B. And go to BenGlebe.com to see all the details, watch more of my content, and get tickets to my live stand-up shows in your town. But mostly just right now, if you're listening to this right now, set your DVR and go to Showtime, go to your DVR program guide. Ben Glebe, Neurotic Gangster. Do a third. Watch it. Enjoy it. Tell the people. Yep, and I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one, folks.